0: to Sack King's Therapy episode 16. Now, this week, uh, the focus will not be on Sacramento Kings basketball. Uh, this week, we've, we're bringing the long-promised The Last Ride. Not The Last Dance, but The Last Ride. The Undertaker documentary that the WWE Network has produced about basically from WrestleMania 30, I think, all the way to... The latest Wrestlemania and with that to talk or with me to talk about that fall. Oh. hey so uh we would like to first start off but just to get this out of the way uh Michelle McCool um Undertaker's wife is very attractive in, the, in this <laughs> documentary
1: oh yeah like how old is she actually I, I forgot to check
0: I totally forgot to check. Um I, here, look it up. I'll I'll fill in, but like she, I don't remember her looking this good. She almost reversed age, which actually a lot of the divas like from that era, like from like the early two thousands and like from her era, the the early twenty tens, they have not aged at all. It's crazy. Like Tori Wilson, like is a good example. Hasn't aged a day. Kelly Kelly looks still looks exactly the same. Mm. Almost looks younger in some ways.
1: Okay, I got the age. It's forty.
0: Forty. Well, she don't look forty. <laughs> Just leave it at <laughs> that. Um, okay. Well, let, 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 let's actually get into it. So uh, we'll start at WrestleMania 30. Now, WrestleMania 30, for those that don't don't know, is the infamous match with Brock where Brock broke the streak. Did you watch this match?
1: I believe so. It's been <laughs> it's been a while. I think I only watched it once, and that was that day. I was actually out of wrestling at this point. I unfortunately
0: missed, I think I started watching right as team hell. No was formed and I didn't come back until 2016. So like you're looking at 20, around 2013 to 2016. So of course I didn't watch this live. Now I do remember seeing the headline, this made headlines when this happened and. Oh yeah. And I watched the match. Well, the match itself wasn't that good, but like the ending, where the three count, it felt like a fast count,
1: didn't it? Uh, I'm trying to remember. I believe so, but you know, you you we all expected that he would <laughs> kick out that count. What was your reaction when you first saw it? I thought, to be honest, I was like, "That's it. That's that's how they're ending it." This this is how Taker's kind of go down, I guess.
0: Did you ha- did you have the look on your face that that black guy had? <sighs> Almost, but I was. It's what I would have had. Like that is, I would have been in shock.
1: Yeah, I was like kind of confused. I was like, really this this is it? This is this is how they're ending it? Yeah. But you know, that's not <laughs> that's not the end for Taker.
0: Yeah, like some have actually even debated this is where it should have ended. Like he should have just gone out because, like after that, Brock became the megastar. Like he he's like he gained a level of stardom that really just cannot ever be recreated. Like he created a new star. He, you know, he went out putting this guy over, and hmm. you know that's kind of where it should have gone. Although I do think there's another place I wished he actually went out on, but we'll get to that. But. Uh so yeah it was it was a shocking moment. I remember seeing it um seeing it on Yahoo News I think was where I saw it and
1: I was shocked to be honest. I matches like this like I can't remember any other wrestlers who have retired like I can't remember their last matches kind of being like this.
0: Yeah, I mean like it it really was like I've. I've uh, this is more me kind of looking back in history because again, I wasn't watching, but like uh-huh. I felt this could have been the send off, you know. I guess mm-hmm. go on, on a high note again, you put over this guy and you made him into a megastar. And you know, in, in the preceding years, it only kind of goes downhill because his abilities just don't hold up anymore. And yeah. you know, we although then this match it wasn't that good, so maybe not, but like, you no. Know, like you go out on your back is kind of the philosophy of a lot of wrestling wrestlers. So I feel like he could have ended it here, but he does not. Um, And the documentary keeps following him um, throughout the years. Uh, So before we kind of get into those other WrestleManias, there is a meeting that happens with uh, him and Vince. I think it was during WrestleMania 30, after WrestleMania 33, or maybe even during, I don't, Holy remember because we we jump around a lot. So sorry, but uh, he has a meeting with Vince. Vince just came back from a workout. That old man is a has very scary looking arms.
1: Yeah, I'm surprised he's working out that hard still.
0: You, you heard the story. This was rather recent. It was like literally last year, I think. Apparently, he tore his bicep and like he had to have surgery. And he had surgery and was back in the office. Uh, in three days,
1: he's he's one crazy man.
0: He is a he's, crazy fucking man. Yes,
1: he's he's around seventy at this time too. So mm-hmm. yep, that's that's definitely retirement age. But he has no no drive, no intention to, stop it.
0: No intention to ever stop. <laughs> like, yeah. and it's it's crazy just to look. Kind of just you know, I don't. I'm not saying this to be mean, but like he looks old. Like his skin mm. is all wrinkled up. But like damn, look at
1: his arm. <laughs> like, Jesus. Yeah, like he has no intentions of stopping working out, stopping WWE. Mm-hmm. I mean, how do you know what he does for fun? <laughs> Besides...
0: I've heard stories of, like, he has no social life. Like, he he goes to, he works out, he t- goes in his limo, goes to his private jet, flies to the show, and then gets another workout in somehow, And and then after the show, he flies back and works out again.
1: That's crazy. Mm-hmm.
0: He's done this for, what, 40 years at this point? So, yes, a very crazy man indeed.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: so, uh, so we're going to actually jump to WrestleMania 33. Um, WrestleMania 31, he faces Bray Wyatt. Um, yeah, he beats him. Uh, 32, he faces Shane in a Hell in a Cell match. That was a match, basically. And WrestleMania 33 against Roman Reigns. Now, they do kind of go into the the match itself. Like the match itself was not very good. But Taker looked old. He was definitely like a step behind at this point. And there were, you know, a few notable botches and but, you know, of, at least in my view, I don't think any of that mattered. I think the the match ending was is what I remember from that match. Yeah. <laughs> For those of you guys that that don't know and like basically he has the match he uh Roman ends up spearing him for the victory and he wins the match and after the match basically Undertaker, you know, puts his coat back on, puts his hat back on and takes them off. It's basically a perfect symbolization of um basically him retiring. And I thought it was just a great moment. Like I I remember I teared up with, while watching this live. So and, like, you know, ever since this match, like, every time I hear his music, like, I get I get a little emotional about it. And,
1: mm-hmm.
0: honestly, I felt like this is where it should have ended.
1: Yeah, the second time where it should have ended.
0: <laughs> yes, but, you know, like, unfortunately, it just, this kind of just becomes a pattern um, that you'll kind of see throughout the documentary is that he just, he wants that perfect match. And he, he talks about it a lot. Shawn Michaels went out in WrestleMania 26, had that perfect match with, guess who? The Undertaker. And mm-hmm. he's looking to have that kind of match, the perfect match. Now, this match, again, as I said, was not perfect. But I felt that ending was perfect. And in the same vein as Brock, you put over a guy that, had WWE not botched it, could have made him into a mega heel. And unfortunately, they didn't capitalize on it. And this was not Taker's last match, but it was an amazing moment.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, um, so you know we're gonna we're not gonna talk too much about the John Cena match. That was <laughs> surprising to say the least. Yeah. Now Undertaker did come back at, thir- at 34 uh, against John Cena, a dream match actually. They had not really wrestled uh, uh, up to that point, and it really was one of those matches that we really wanted. Now I now. I will say the build to that match was amazing. Like John Cena, you know, say what you want about him, like he is a great promo, you Mm -hmm. know, but he's just kind of hampered by kind of like the PG um, PG rules. And of course, he's embraced it. But like he's such a good promo, and he built this match amazingly. And he's and he ended up getting squashed by Undertaker at WrestleMania 34. Now, uh, Undertaker does come back. He so he, nowadays, he only comes back during WrestleMania and the, the big shows in either in Australia or, most notably, Saudi Arabia. Oh, yes. Okay, well, we'll go into detail about this. So uh, now the build to Crown Jewel. Now, Crown Jewel was a very... Uh, they kind of gloss over this, and I really didn't like that they glossed over it, but the entire controversy surrounding Crown Jewel now, if you guys don't remember, that was when uh, Washington Post uh, journalist Jamal Khashoggi was murdered by the Saudis. And I don't want to make light of the situation, but the funny thing that I found from that situation is that the Saudi government basically was like, at first, they were like saying, without we had nothing to do with it. We don't know. We don't know anything about Jamal Khashoggi." Oh, yeah. yeah actually, actually, we we didn't know who J- Jamal Khashoggi was, but but we, we didn't kill him. And, uh, <laughs> Uh, okay, uh, maybe like you know, somebody killed them, but it wasn't us. A- a- actually, a- actually, it it was people from the from the Saudi Arabia Saudi Arabia Kingdom. Uh but it but it wasn't but it wasn't a uh, MBS who ordered it. No, 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 it, w- it wasn't MBS who ordered it. But yes, it, it was P- it was our people who killed them. It it was just a funny progression of them admitting their kill. But um, okay, well that out of the way. Uh, <laughs> it was a terrible show, by the way. It was, I think it was like true, I think, was that the one where Shane won the World Cup?
1: Shane? Oh, was it? I think it
0: was. I think it was, so Shane McMahon was not actually in the match, but he did win the World Cup. I think it was this show. I, anyways, it, it got capped off by the horrific match of <laughs> the Brothers of Destruction against uh, Triple H and Shawn Michaels. Now, I this is a part I totally forgot. Triple H does t- t- tear his uh, pectoral muscle within the match,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and Shawn Michaels, who had that perfect retirement, unfortunately <laughs> uh, had to kind of endure this, and he kind of you, know, you know squandered his final match. Now he mm-hmm. was good in this match; he was definitely the best wrestler in this match. Unfortunately, is not saying much against you know a P- Triple H that just tore his pectoral muscle. Um, Kane who is a mayor and not a real wrestler anymore and Undertaker you know who has lost the step of course and they even talk about it in pretty detail about like you know a lot of the bloopers you know Um, Triple H touring his pectoral muscle Um, you know um, HBK I think (laughs) doing a moonsault and just falling straight on the floor Uh, (laughs) Kane's mask coming off was just had me cracking up as, as someone said, <laughs> that's got to be Kane! That's got to be Glenn <laughs> Jacobs! Oh my god, did, did you know Kane was Glenn Jacobs? <laughs> I did know. Yeah, so I, I thought that, you know, as much as, you know, the the, the entire si- situation surrounding, you know, Jamal Khashoggi in this event, uh, it was, I, I hate to say it was funny to watch this match in a very dark way, you know. Like, and
1: did they, did they win with the, the pedigree? It was a, what do I, a bad one, if I remember correctly. It was, well, we'll talk about a worse finish
0: later, but it, it rivals, it rivals the, you know, we'll get into it, but like, it was a very, we- like, I think barely got off the ground. Like, Triple H mm. barely got off the ground. I think he pinned Kane,
1: right? Yes. It's been a while since I watched that episode, and I don't know. It's been a while since I. watched I'm not casual. watching that match
0: again. It's, no,
1: it, it was bad.
0: Yeah, and it's like one of those things where, like, you know, it's, sometimes it's time to hang up, but you know, the Saudis are willing to pay, and you know, like, why not? Like, just just do it for a big load of cash.
1: After all these like major um, uh, matches that Undertaker does, it seemed like he always goes back to the gym and you know, rehabs for the next match, and it seemed like he. Trained a lot for this match because he expected it to be a big match.
0: Well, the thing is, like when you do what Undertaker does, which is like literally wrestle like five times, like maybe three to five times a year, it's actually hard to get into shape because you know you're not doing much like when you're not training for it and like Mm -hmm. you have to get your body into it, you know, your body has to readjust to it. It's really hard to train like to actually get back in shape and you know. He's done this for what? For, when did he start? Like in 1991, and before that, he was wrestling in other places. So he's been wrestling for 30 years. He doesn't really know anything else. So like, he just has to do it. And I, I, you know, like, I mean, I, I don't get it because I've never done something like that, like at that high of a level. But like, you know, you, you crave that pop, like just being on the big stage and. You know, he just can't he can't like escape it. And that's really what this documentary is about. It's kind of like almost an addiction essentially. Mm -hmm. And like if you watch like other documentaries, a lot of people love that spot a lot of the wrestlers, they love that spotlight. So yeah, I, I kinda I kinda get why he keeps wanting to come back because again he wants that perfect match and you know, he craves that adrenaline, that spotlight. So yeah, so he's gonna he's gonna keep coming back, and we'll we'll go through it. Okay, yeah. so after that disastrous match, uh, he was not booked for I think was it WrestleMania thirty five. Um, I will be honest, I don't remember what WrestleMania thirty five. Oh, that's the eight hour show.
1: It's the eight hour WrestleMania. Oh no, I, I remember seeing through that.
0: <laughs> yes, uh, it was a very so he was not booked on that on the card, and he was uh, what did he do? basically at this point he his contract had expired and he was basically done with the company and he decided to sign up for starcast now starcast is hope is affiliated with what will soon become AEW basically because i think they were linked with um they were basically linked with i think the young bucks i think and basically he was announced for that show, and Vince essentially freaked out about it because he thought, you know, uh, what's his face? Undertaker was basically going to AEW, which is fucking insane. That would never happen. Um, and, like, basically, they had a huge argument over it, and they actually didn't talk to each other for a while. And I'm shocked they actually cover this, actually.
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't I don't think Undertaker would ever do that to Vince. He, he's pretty loyal, to Vince. He, I mean, like you know, he talks about
0: it in the in the documentary. He stuck around through the entire like uh, Monday Night Wars back in the '90s. Mm-hmm. Really, the only guy that had did not that did not at all wrestle for WCW.
1: No, not at all. Yeah, basically,
0: and like he actually stuck around there. Shaw, now, of course, you can bring up Shawn Michaels, but like Shawn Michaels threatened to leave. Mm-hmm undertaker never did. So like he's is he is loyal to Vince and it's just kind of it kind of shows you the kind of the mental state the level of stress that I think that Vince is in like where he's all, where he can't even trust Taker to stick with him. It's a level of paranoia that I really don't envy Vince for being in.
1: Yeah, he he got himself into this situation at this point, I feel. Yeah.
0: yeah. And, you know, the it's only kind of gotten worse, I feel, but we, this is not a podcast about that. But, <laughs> okay, moving on. Now, they did, uh, uh, they did, you know, eventually reconcile, and, you know, they decided to do another Saudi match. And this was, I think, okay, so this was after WrestleMania, the next, uh, the next super showdown in Saudi Arabia. For some reason, they decided to put Taker against Goldberg. And, uh, yeah, I believe it was actually pitched by the uh, Prince, uh, MBS, and he just wanted Taker versus Goldberg. And, of course, like, this was a terrible idea from the start. Both guys are over 50. Neither are workhorses anymore. Goldberg was never a workhorse. Taker just, you know, is old and just can't really go at that level anymore. Now, of course, you would think this match goes maybe five minutes, Unfortunately, it did go a little long. I think it went like eight—I want to say eight minutes—off the top of my head. It might have gone longer, but mm-hmm. it was a disaster. Now, uh, begin, so you know how Goldberg and the and his entrance, like he is es- escorted like by like security like uh-huh. from his locker room. Now, apparently, he has a habit of like banging his head against a locker to hype himself up.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Now, of course, that actually already busted him open, like him headbutting like the locker. And so the match starts, he, he I think he misses a spear, hits himself on the turnbuckle, and concusses himself. Now, up to yeah. that point, the match was actually okay. You know, big move, big move, and you think it'd be a quick finish. But no. Goldberg decides to do, I think it was a, I think it was in a leg lock? I forgot what it was. But basically, they try to wrestle. Goldberg gets concussed, and you know, the, I hate to say this. One of the highlights of the match is that Goldberg tries to go for a jackhammer and just barely avoids <laughs> killing the Undertaker.
1: Oh
0: no. Now I will go. I will fully admit, I died laughing during this match, and I'm not proud of it. I, like I, I, I think I've conceded. I'm going to hell because of this, and. Because it was just, I was, act, like, when this match happened, I was actually at work, and I have my YouTube on, and I was listening to uh, Wrestle uh reactions to it. And I hear the host literally go, oh, and, like, <laughs> them cover up their face. I'm like, wait, what happened? I go home, I see what he did. I'm like, oh, my God. And I just can't get, but unfortunately, I can't get the image and the image of the Wrestle Talk host uh, Ali and Luke like reacting to it of just fear of like that they that Goldberg just killed the Undertaker.
1: <laughs> and unfortunately,
0: it only gets worse. Uh, you you want to break down the rest of it? I think I've talked a little too long.
1: Uh, yeah. After he did the jackhammer. It- i guess i mean luckily he survived but he did um taker didn't mention he had a lot of back problems after that i don't know it's it's kind of hard to talk about this match because it's just such a awful match to watch all i could remember was the reverse tombstone mm-hmm. that was also botched uh yeah.
0: now for you those of you guys that don't know um take uh, I think, no, Goldberg tries to go for the tombstone. And, you, you know, then Taker tries to reverse it by basically, you know, like he, I don't even know how to describe it, but basically, like, Goldberg kind of bends backwards and then Undertaker picks him up for a tombstone. Now, Goldberg bends backwards. Taker lands on his feet. Goldberg <laughs> just collapses to the ground. And I think Taker just also collapses to the ground. And at this point, you, Taker, just you, you want to finish this one? <laughs> I can't. I, I can't
1: either. No.
0: Okay. So Taker just the Taker. I think at this point just says "fuck." I'm, he might have said. it. I don't know if he said these exact words. He just says essentially "fuck it." They both get up. He ch- he choke slams Goldberg, <laughs> but it's not really a choke choke slam. Is a like push? <laughs> like. <laughs> I'm sorry, I can't stop. But basically, t- Taker barely gets a up. <laughs> and he falls to the ground <laughs>
1: and, and pins, him.
0: pins him for the one, two, three. And you can see a fan just put his hands up. What? That's it? Uh, and basically sums up the entire match. Really? Uh, and it is just, oh, it is so sad. And again, I can't stop laughing at this. And Taker has this face looking like he's about to kill someone because of how
1: it went. Oh, um, I
0: mean, He's
1: disappointed.
0: He was so yeah. disappointed. And again, it <laughs> I don't want to imagine how horribly he felt. Apparently, they did get into a, a backstage argument after this, which I get. Mm-hmm. It was a horror match. And I'm sad that they didn't include it in the documentary, but yes, like this was the rock bottom, absolute rock bottom. But yes, uh-huh. I, I I am going to hell for laughing as much as I did.
1: Yeah, I know. Me too. It's <laughs> just I. have only watched highlights of it. I didn't watch it live because it was so early. How are How early? I act, it's
0: like basically at so. I think like it happens. It starts at twelve at my work yeah which i actually like i actually like l- listening to like the reactions of youtubers live actually mm. it's one of the things i do like about these shows they do happen like dead dead in the middle of the day and you know i'm not really gonna watch this live most of the time anyways so but i like listening to reactions to it, of it um yes yeah, so like also has a very uh, i guess funny uh, reaction to it and uh yeah um just type in super showdown cultaholic or wrestle talk reactions and you're you'll see what i mean in terms of just i hate to say it it made me laugh but it's it's like genuine fear that you know that they Goldberg had killed the undertaker
1: <laughs>
0: yeah <laughs> okay um you know another note before we kind of break into kind of the uh, extreme rules and after um, So you know, uh, just to quickly hammer the point of like, you know, it's hard for wrestlers to step out, like step away from the ring because they love the adrenaline, they love the fame. Ric Flair, like you know, he he retired, he was retired by Shawn Michaels at WrestleMania 24, which I think was the right decision by Vince to actually have him retire because he was getting to that age. Mm-hmm. Ric Flair couldn't step away from the spotlight, and you know, unfortunately, you know, Ric Flair has, you know not been great in the past so he actually needed money he hadn't take care of his finances very well so he went to tna and he wrestled and it was very sad yeah you know you know uh, different circumstances but it's you know if you can't step like if a wrestler can't step away it's just best to leave the memories alone
1: Mm
0: -hmm. um another random note i have you know, Taker, of course, shaved his head at WrestleMania
1: 30, and
0: actually gradually grew it out over the years. And you know, kind of makes me want to grow my hair out.
1: It, it'll make you feel so itchy. <laughs> I feel.
0: I I my, I just had today, like you know, the wind was it was very windy today, so like I had hair blowing my face. My hair has reached my eye now, so like it's getting it's getting long. Hmm. Oh. Uh, Probably won't happen, but, you know, might be a return of man bun Owen again, but probably not going to happen because it's a lot to maintain. Mm -hmm. Also, uh, Taker, uh, Undertaker apparently got a scholarship for basketball uh, to go to 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 college. I don't know what college, though, but he did get a scholarship to actually play basketball and he rejected it. And he decided to become a wrestler, and he talks about like his dad being disappointed that he picked a, the wrestling pr- profession, and that he was really disappointed when he saw Undertaker putting on eye makeup backstage. You know, t- before he went outside, that was kind of funny.
1: Let's see. It says Texas Wesleyan University offered a scholarship.
0: Yeah, I don't know
1: that. Never heard of that. But uh, what what position do you think he would be playing? Uh, in the old days,
0: power forward, probably. Oh, actually, no, small forward. He's about 6'8". Mm-hmm. Small forward, probably can switch to the power forward, maybe.
1: That, that would have been interesting.
0: I don't know. It's like, there's a level of skill. I've never seen him play basketball, so I can't, I, can, I don't know. <laughs> like, just, be, just being tall is not enough, really. Like mm-hmm. So you you used to whoop my ass, but like it's you know it's, it's at the professional level it might not be enough. Uh, okay, i uh, moving on. Uh, there is a there is footage of uh, Undertaker going to the performance center, and there he goes into a meeting w- with the NXT recruits where they're watching film, and Keith Lee is there, Matt Riddle is there, Damian Priest pretty much and... all of the NXT. <laughs> yeah most of nxt so it was was kind of cool to see like wow i did not expect to see keith lee uh, in the documentary Mm -hmm. now i want to see a match between the two of them not gonna happen please don't No, don't don't let it happen but like i don't want to it'd be an interesting matchup
1: but yeah with that little bit of taker i thought yeah he would have been a great trainer for these younger guys if he you know wanted to continue working in this field i guess but Mm -hmm. i don't know Right, he already made his money. He's already at that age. How how much would he want to do for WWE at this point?
0: Yeah, I would say, you know, sit back and just retire. But like, you know, they kind of still dig it. And maybe they don't, if like, he doesn't want to get back into the ring. If he's finally kind of come to terms with himself, you know, that's one way to kind of stay close to the profession. You know, you still kind of dig that competition a little bit. Mm -hmm. Why not? Like, be a trainer. He's he's definitely got a great mind for the business. Like he knows the business, so like
1: that'd be great. Maybe become a GM.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Do you be surprised of how not fun that is? I've heard stories about like Daniel Bryan hating coming to work being a GM.
1: Oh really? Because
0: he wanted to wrestle.
1: That's why. I see. Yeah. So.
0: Um. Okay. Another just funny little thing. So they did interview Bray Wyatt quite a few times during this, and you know he's in regular Bray Wyatt mode have to have seen <laughs> them interview the fiend again wouldn't happen it would kind of kill kayfabe you know kayfabe is already dead but you know a little, a little <laughs> bit of s- suspension of disbelief when i watch wrestling it'd be, i mm-hmm. thought it'd be funny if they just interviewed the fiend for some reason
1: yeah i can't uh, i don't think they interviewed anyone in character
0: <laughs> uh, i mean it's fine like I, I i mean i get it like this is a behind the scenes thing by the way why 2j sighting Chris Jericho sighting in in early on, I think in episode one.
1: Yeah. 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 It was weird seeing him.
0: It was so weird seeing him in a WWE documentary.
1: Yeah. This was probably before AEW. Well,
0: that's definitely before AEW. like, they they don't, they don't like him right now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, um, moving on to WrestleMania 36, uh, again, 35, he missed 34, he wrestled John Cena. And, uh, yeah, I it just kind of makes me wonder. He does talk about like training for another match and they they go very extensively in episode 4 and 5 like they that he wanted to have the perfect match and AJ is almost the perfect opponent.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And you know, he was training and he but he still had some hesitation to it from what I remember. And like I do wonder if he would have wrestled a live match with AJ if it, if the pandemic didn't happen.
1: He was really training for it and thinking about having a live match with AJ too. And I feel like knowing the taker, he would want a live match with AJ if the pandemic never happened.
0: Yeah, and like AJ is the perfect opponent. Like he, I think he could like you know hide you know um, a lot of taker's uh, limitations and made Mm -hmm. him look good. Mm -hmm. And you know he's one of the best sellers in the business, so it's perfect.
1: Yeah, I, I believe uh, Edge also himself said that AJ would have been one of the last people he would like to face before he leaves like, permanently.
0: Just, just to give you an idea of how AJ, how good AJ is, he, he got a good match out of Jinder Mahal. Like, oh, yeah. It's, he's amazing. No, 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 no shades of gender, but he's a very boring wrestler. So. You know, AJ somehow was able to get a good match out of him.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Also, in documentary uh, during the WrestleMania 36, uh, they were talking about how Taker had this unholy Mm trinity—the three-way between uh, Mark Calaway, Undertaker, and American Badass. Uh, because yeah, during the match, he he showed up kind of like as american badass but he had the mentality of also mark howe but also had the physique and like aura of the undertaker
0: <laughs> you that, think that's it, such a mind fuck by the way
1: <laughs> i know i think i just went on and <laughs> tried to explain what the unholy trinity was but pretty much he, he i guess he went something different he, because for the past what 20-plus years, he hasn't done American Badass or any other character besides Undertaker. Yeah, it was something different, I guess, because uh their match it was just pretty much American Badass. You think uh, Taker would have been better for the situation? In what way? I don't know, because it was pre-recorded. Maybe they would have done a more Taker bit.
0: I mean, um, like, I since it was I'm pre-recorded, excited. like, since it was pre-recorded, like, I think it's actually better. Because, like, you know, a live match, you know, again, it's, you know, Taker is very limited in what he can do now. So, like, you, you're basically perfect. Instead of, like, you know, taking a chance of, like, him maybe just not being able to keep up, like, he's was actually able to, um, like, you could hide all his weaknesses, Lynn. You know, it, it does look a little goofy, I'm not going to lie. But, like, it's, it. you know, it basically allows you to essentially control, like, what is what is shown, like, how Taker is portrayed. Mm-hmm. And I think it's fine. Like, you know, I would have liked to see a live match, but at the same time, like, you know, you got a, you know, almost the perfect match, basically.
1: hmm Yeah. Yeah. Again, Taker is a good talker. I, I forgot the. It's one of quotes. those things I
0: don't like about um, Dead Man Taker. He doesn't talk much. Mm-hmm. Like, it's always, and you know, that spooky voice with very few words spoken. And, you know, I just, I like to see, I liked, I actually liked Biker Taker. And, you know, I know yeah. he's a little bit polarizing, actually, but, you know, I do like, I did like Biker Taker.
1: They, they really should have brought him back earlier. Yeah. In my opinion, but. Yeah, I forgot the funny quotes he said during this match, uh, mostly related to his wife and family. But yeah, I forget. But anywho, uh, during the production, or I guess you know, building the set for um the match, uh, Taker's niece called and uh, mentioned that his brother passed away with a heart attack. Yep, that's like (laughs)
0: really. Yeah, it's, it's t- that's got to be tough. Like, I'm surprised he actually went through with the match. I'm surprised he didn't just call it off, like, maybe record yeah. it another time, to be honest.
1: Yeah, I, I thought it was like, how would this affect, you know, his performance? Whether if this was recorded or live, would have been like uh, more of an adrenaline push or more of a kind of like laid back, I don't care anymore type? feeling because this is this is a big big part of his life
0: yeah and you know the taker is one of the ultimate professionals and you know this kind of situation shows it like you know he was still able to kind of go through of course we don't know how many takes they had but like it's you know he's still able to actually like you know go through you know take care of business before you know handling your personal business as like before that like that's pretty you know he is a professional,
1: and mm-hmm. yeah. Now going on to the next topic, uh, Taker has mentioned that he didn't like this kind of stop and go recording compared to you know live matches because he has that kind of adrenaline to push through with live matches and finish till the end. Now, at this point of age for Taker, you think it would have been better if he continues this recording style or? You think he'll be able to do live matches in the future if he does not retire?
0: Oh man, it's a tough one. It's like if he wa- if he's really craving that perfect match, you can't really do any better than this. But it's like it's not natural. It's a bit it's a bit artificial. So like I think he should have one last live match and against you know a a perfect one. The perfect a component is AJ. And you know, I think he's the perfect guy to send them all. He
1: he has also mentioned that AJ uh, asked Taker if he wanted to wrestle with him in WrestleMania because um, he thought he was yeah that guy. But Taker at first kind of was skeptical and said, "Yeah, you that would be a great match if I was ten or fifteen years uh, like uh, younger." <laughs>
0: You know, that's the actually the interesting thing. Like, they couldn't have had that match 15 years before. Because AJ really wasn't AJ until he went to New Japan. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, that was, what, 2013, I think? Or, like, basically 2016, when he came to WWE, that is best, the best AJ. Like, mm-hmm. right, right as he left Japan. And before that, he really was just a spot monkey. And, you know, that really wouldn't have been as epic as it is, as people think it is. And, you know, mm-hmm. Taker was in his prime like 10 years ago, which was unfortunately not AJ's prime. AJ's <laughs> prime's like right about now. So like that match in theory would be amazing, like maybe like five years ago, but not really.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Just because AJ didn't have the star power that he has now. Like that, that's the big thing. And he wasn't he wasn't the wrestler. He was now. He is now.
1: Yeah, five years ago would have been pretty good, but during that time, wasn't Taker kind of still trying to get back into things?
0: Yeah, that would have been WrestleMania 32. I mean, that actually would have been great, but like, it's not like that was right when AJ debuted. He don't actually might have worked, but like, you know, do do you want to hand Taker his second loss in WrestleMania? for Mm -hmm. AJ it's yeah I don't know like I don't know like this would have been a dream match maybe a few years ago but like at this point you kind of get what you get and again AJ is absolutely amazing so like I think he's the perfect opponent I can't really think of another person another person I can kind of think of have you been watching NXT NXT lately at all
1: Uh, no I haven't I should
0: I would love to well I, I don't know if you've heard of him K- Killer Cross Sounds familiar Well he's carrying Cross in NXT now And either I want to see either maybe Undertaker versus Carrying Cross with Cross coming going over or Champa
1: Hmm That'd be interesting
0: Yeah and Those I think would be one one of those one of those three It's probably going to be AJ and
1: it probably yeah. should be AJ and don't give Undertaker any ideas. He might come back.
0: I mean, that Saudi, that Saudi deal's got many more years to go. It'll probably up.
1: I really want to see if he <laughs> does stop. Because this is, yeah, it's getting to that point. It's I, th- I
0: think I think someone summed it up perfectly by saying Undertaker's retirements are as legit as Conor McGregor's retirements. So,
1: yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean. Taker said he was retired. So, <laughs>
0: by the way, Undertaker has been contemplating retirement since 1999. Since since night because uh, after uh, the, the infamous Mankind match, uh-huh. Like they don't talk about it as much because you know, Mick Foley just about died in that match. Uh-huh. Undertaker also like I think br- in like really badly injured his foot in that match and actually was considering retirement. Oh really? So like it goes all the way back to 1998. I'm sorry, like it goes all the way back to then.
1: Yeah. Man, 22 years.
0: 22 years. Insanity. Um. Okay. Uh, well. Hopefully, you know, he does get that right send off because I don't like. I liked how this <laughs> this send off went, but you know, there is some to be desired, and like I wouldn't mind if he came back. I'm okay if he
1: just hangs it up here. Yeah, I I thought it was a good send-off. Like, having the house explode in fire with his logo in lasers, riding his bike up in the dark.
0: It's like literally a send-off riding into the sunset. (laughs) Well, the darkness, but, you know.
1: Probably the best send-off you could do for what they could have done for uh, WrestleMania 36. Yeah,
0: so... We shall see, but I am perfectly fine with him retiring here. I don't think it is a retirement just because you know, I've
1: been burned how many times now. So, mm-hmm. yeah. But he did say if Vince is in a pinch, he will consider <laughs> <clears throat> Saudi ready been money. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We shall see.
0: Okay. All right, so um, we haven't really had a chance to talk about this, but uh, so wrestling has been kind of going through their uh, Me Too movement, um, you know, somewhat recently. It's it's been about a few weeks now. Basically, it's called the speaking out movement, and a lot of wrestlers document or share their stories of you know sexual assault or like you know being sexually harassed. Many of them female, unfortunately, and. It's unfortunately just how things are. Um Keith Lee was actually was one of the ones that shared one of his stories where he actually basically he had a drink um and then he just woke up naked in a hotel room having oh. no idea what happened. So There's also stuff like that. But what's most what's mostly um kind of most of the stories of him are female talent, you know, being sexually harassed, being you know a, a lot of them being sexually assaulted, in a lot in a lot of cases, unfortunately. But basically, uh, one of the most noteworthy things I think I've heard from this is basically in Brit in Britain in U- in the UK. Um, p- basically, a lot of wrestling schools have been taking in underage girls, basically like w- like fifteen, like may possibly even younger. And unfortunately, a lot of these like res- a lot of the teachers at these schools, you know. Unfortunately, abuse their power and take advantage of these uh, young, girl, young girls who just want to get into the business. And that's kind of the, one of the most noteworthy things to me. Just the UK having accepting students as young as 15.
1: Yeah.
0: Fortunately, unsurprisingly, it leads to a lot of situations where uh, these girls are coerced into sexual favors. Yeah, it's, it's not pretty right now. It's...
1: It's disgusting.
0: Yes, and yeah, that's. I don't want to go any deeper into it. It's it's a lot. Um, a lot. Some some people have been fired already. I think Jack Gallagher was the one. There was another guy in WWE, but his name escapes me. But on the indie circuit, um, on Impact from Impact Wrestling, Joey Ryan has now been fired. He has actually said that he's going to leave this to his lawyers. Things don't look good for him and uh david Starr, unfortunately has also been fired i think from evolve i don't remember which promotion he worked for but there's a lot of people that are kind of you know being fired rightfully so and um yeah um it's a it's a movement that will continue kind of picking up traction and it's a very sensitive topic and you know all I will say is, you know, be willing to listen to the stories of wrestlers talking about their experiences because it's important to, you know, talk to each other, understand each other's situations and learn and learn more, you know, mm-hmm. as a person and improve as a person mm-hmm. and know what to look out for. On that sober note, uh, let's actually just quickly talk about the Kings. Um, we are Sack Kings Therapy. And uh, yeah, let's uh, talk a little bit about the Kings. Uh, Marvin Bagley. Now, we've talked extensively about how he would return and what kind of role he should have. Well, that was not all for naught because he is now officially healthy. Yay. (laughs) And he's been putting on some work with the gym. Now, I am very jealous looking at his Instagram because he has gym equipment at his house. Go figure. uh, Go figure. Earn $8 million a year, can afford gym equipment in his house. Uh. I'm jealous. I know. Apparently he's put on, I think, I don't, I don't have the exact number. It's been kind of, I remember seeing 15, but then I saw 10 pounds of muscle. He's been working out a lot. He said he's been working on uh, his, his shooting and mm-hmm. setting screens. Oh, That is interesting because, as, uh, as we said last week, um, Matt George of KHTK, one of the things he really does not like about Marvin is that he does not set screens. I'm gonna be really looking out for this. Okay? Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Marvin, you better set some damn good screens. Lay into them lay into those motherfuckers.
1: Good defense.
0: And especially we don't play the Clippers, right?
1: For the eight game? Yeah, for the eight games. Mm, I think we do. I think we do. (laughs) I forgot now. Well,
0: if we do lay out patrick beverly i want that motherfucker to shut i want him to shut the fuck up he is so annoying (sighs) we shall see we'll we'll see but um unfortunately on another kind of somber note king's facility has shut down you want to you actually broke this news to me i haven't really looked at it so give us the details so
1: no news on who but um they say someone within the team's traveling party so i'm guessing one of the trainers or whatnot has tested positive for coronavirus so um they're not expected the facility to reopen so um that means no <laughs> no practice until uh, i guess they get to orlando unless they find another facility so we'll see yeah, yeah
0: it's uh it's unfortunate
1: but I mean, yeah, it's it's how it is, I guess I mean, it's gonna suck, but I feel I will push through. We have a I don't know what else to say, yeah, uh,
0: yeah, but which uh, just hopefully everyone is just healthy when the season when you know the season does start in Orlando, but it is really troubling to see this many like positive tests it's, mm-hmm. the coronavirus is not going anywhere, so people. You know, if people are going to just keep going out there and just not wear masks and almost treat this, you know, go to these parties and mm-hmm. all like, you know, not socially distance with people, this is just going to keep rising because, you know, Florida is, you know, breaking records in terms of cases in one day. Like California is not doing all that well either. And it's troubling to think if Disney World's going to think even like think about opening, reopening on, was it July 11th, July 12th?
1: Something like that. Yeah, I didn't know they were gonna reopen until uh, someone has told me. I was like, "That is just the
0: stupidest fucking idea." Please do not, please do not reopen. It's fucking stupid. Let's see. You're asking for trouble if you're gonna reopen. But hopefully, the season is able to actually like open, continue, and actually finish. Because with the alarming rate that we're seeing these positive tests, I'm having doubts of it actually finishing. even if it gets started
1: so the first search up about Disney World reopening is 6,336 new COVID cases as Disney theme parks near reopening (laughs) that's in Florida 6,336 new cases that's a lot that's uh yeah well We'll have to see how
0: money—if money over trumps any kind of safety. The thing is, like, the ch- I think chances are they end up shutting down even if they reopen because mm-hmm. it's too—it's just too contagious. Yeah. But like, the worry I uh, have a lot is that those workers are actually free to leave, and unfortunately, players are not, or they're going to be in contact with the players, some of them at least. And I don't know how that's going to work out. Just and i just hope that you know disney does the right thing and does not reopen mm-hmm. love a fucking god like it i'm still kind of infuriated that they're thinking they're still considering it they haven't officially announced that they're going to shut down yeah. you know i'm having even second thoughts about the nba restarting with the, with the alarming rate that ev- so many people are testing positive like it's just uh, like safety first man
1: at this point i think it should be postponed a little if more things you know come up, but as of right now, the only Disney park I know that's open is Shanghai.
0: <laughs> well, you know, a different situation over there, and uh yeah so but uh yeah um, to kind of end it, um, just a little bit more of a positive note um, for those of you you know most King's fans are not warriors fans. I wouldn't really call myself a warriors fan, but I do know a lot about the Warriors just because you know they they were, you know, the best team in the league for many years. And I decided to just kind of follow them and follow, like, their storylines. And, you know, uh, I've discovered the podcast, you know, Light Years Podcast. That is hosted by um, Andy Lou and Sam Esfendiari. And, I, I, you know, I was listening to their uh, podcast. And they brought on a guy named Connor Latour- Latourneau. I don't know how to pronounce it. I'm sorry if I mispronounced that. But he uh, he was talking about the best um, arenas in uh, the NBA. And he said the Golden 1 Center as, I think, his top two. I think he said actually was number one. But another one is a Little Caesars Arena in Detroit. But he says Golden 1 Center has, has probably the best arena in the league. That is good to hear. But, and that is like comparing to Chase, which just opened. Because apparently Chase uh, is more tailored to really rich people. Mm. Or like, you know, the, <clears throat> I don't want to say the peasants, but like, you know, like the, the normies. For the normies, it's not exactly the greatest experience.
1: Boo. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know,
0: San Francisco, there's a lot of rich people there, so you got to please them. Yeah, got to pay that rent somehow yeah thank you uh connor for the you know the shout out to golden one center and you know like we try trying to like lighten up sacramento
1: oh yeah yeah
0: Well, uh, that well that that's all i have you, you have anything you
1: want to add uh not the moment but we'll keep in touch with the more king's news and whatnot in the next episode
0: okay well um so we'll just kind of we'll just end it there then um Hopefully, you know, um good news starts to come in and yeah, like hopefully the kings can kind of get it together and you know, you know travel to Orlando and get everything started and hopefully the US, you know, gets their gets their act together too because we need to figure out how we're going to deal like with the with the rising cases. This I I imagine is the second wave and it's really ugly right now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you guys everyone stay safe out there and uh, yeah hopefully we get to talk you know bring some positive positive news we are sacking therapy we thrive to provide some therapy out here so hopefully there's good news that you know make it a little bit easier for us to do that okay well that's it for us we're signing off see you next week
1: yep see you guys later